Right, you guys can turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, that's where we'll be starting this morning. We're continuing our series on investing, investing your life in the kingdom of God, investing your life, your time, your money, your talents for God's glory. And this morning we're looking at talents. So your skills, your abilities, your intellect, your talents. How do you invest your talents for the glory of Jesus Christ? How do you invest them in the kingdom of God? And to answer that question, we're going to begin by laying out, by, by discovering two foundational truths from the Bible about talent. Two basic truths that God wants us all to know about this subject of talent. That's where we're going to begin this morning. Um, And let me kind of set up the first foundational truth that God has for us in his word about talent by telling you about my life growing up in elementary school. So elementary school, grades one through three, I did not feel very talented because what talents do kids value in grades one through three? Well, uh, athletic ability, I didn't have that. I was always the last kid picked at recess. And if there were an odd number of kids and I was the odd man out, I didn't get to to play because I had no athletic ability. I couldn't run fast. I couldn't kick the ball well. So I didn't have athletic talent. And the other talent that kids value in elementary school is humor. Can you tell a joke? I could not. I had no sense of humor, no sense of timing. I couldn't tell a joke to save my life. And so I didn't have the talents that kids care about in elementary school. So I, I really felt like I had no talent for the first few years of elementary. But all that changed in fourth grade because I got invited to this program at our school called Gifted and Talented. And for one period, each day, I got to leave the ordinary classroom, and I got to leave all all the normal kids who just cared about athletics and humor, and I got to join the other gifted and talented kids in this magical place called the GT Room. I looked so forward to going to the GT room every day because it was filled with all of these, all of these projects and all of these experiments that you could study and you could build and you could take apart, and that was right up my alley. I had been taking apart machines and building erector sets since before I could read, literally, like I was born an engineer. And, and my teachers in, in GT, they, they acknowledged that, they rewarded that. They acknowledge that I have talent that was so meaningful to me. I, finally, I have a talent of my own. Now, I'll be at first to admit that talent doesn't get you a lot of dates growing up, Um, but it was a talent, it was real, and it was mine, and that made me feel incredibly special. It was at that moment in my life that I discovered this first foundational truth that God has for us this morning from his word, very basic truth that we need to know, we need to believe it and own it. God wants us all to understand that we each have talent, every one of us. You have talent. You have talent. That talent makes you unique and special. Now, you may be saying, gosh, Blake, that's an awfully simple point. (laughs) Why are you even spending time on that? Well, because I've known far too many believers who go through life not believing this about themselves. They don't think they have talent. They don't think they have anything to offer. They don't see themselves as special. And the word of God says, no, that is not true. Every one of us has talent. Every one of us is special. Now, that's not a new thing for most of us to hear. You actually grew up hearing that. You heard this message every time you turned on Sesame Street, that you have talent, that you are special. You heard it from your teachers. You heard it in every after-school special ever made because they're all about this. We spend so much energy teaching our children that they are special and have great talent. But let me ask you, as a society, do we actually believe it? 
spend a ton of time teaching our kids that message, but as a society, do we actually believe it? Well, go home and turn on the TV to any non-children's TV show, and what message will you hear? What you'll hear from society is that there are actually two groups of people. There's the big group, the ordinary group, most of us who don't have any real talent. And then there's the extraordinary elite who have incredible talent on the stage or on the football field or on the runway. And we we celebrate them. We shower them with fame and adoration. We follow them on Twitter. We buy magazines so that we know who they're dating. Why? Because as a society, we really do not believe what we learned on Sesame Street. We don't believe that everyone's special. We don't believe that everyone has talent. We divide all of humanity into two groups, the ordinary without talent and the extraordinary who are incredibly talented. That culture of celebrity that we live in is completely unbiblical. That does not line up with scripture at all. God did not create two classes of human beings. Those who are special with talent and the rest of us. Now, God made every person with talent. All of us are endowed with amazing God-given talents that make us unique and special and extraordinary. And that is the message of Psalm 139. That's why we're beginning there this morning. Psalm 139. It's a chapter worth reading. I encourage you to mark it in your Bible. You should know this chapter of of the Bible. But we're going to look particularly right in the middle of the chapter at verses 13 through 16. The psalmist says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. The psalmist is talking about you at the beginning of your life. That that word there in verse 16, unformed substance. It's talking about you when you were formless. Literally, it's talking about you as an embryo. When you are a collection of cells without distinction or division, no limbs, no organs, even at that early stage as an embryo, you were a person known by God, loved by God, whom God was designing and building in your mother's womb. Now, I'll hit pause for just a second. Um, this week is, is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And since that decision, since Roe v. Wade, uh, 50 million abortions have happened here in the United States. And, and as we engage in that debate, as we think about abortion, it's important to recognize this verse right here, Psalm 139, verse 16. This is the primary verse that we point to in the Bible to prove that life begins at conception. Lots of other passages you could use, but this one is absolutely crystal clear. In Hebrew, it could not be clearer than this. In God's reckoning, your life began at conception. When you were a formless void or a formless collection of cells, you were living. God knew you. He loved you. He had your whole life planned for you. The Bible is absolutely clear about that. Life begins at conception. Now, let me make sure that I I, I say this really clearly. Um, If you have had an abortion in the past, we want you to know that that the Bible does not divide sins into different categories. Just like it doesn't divide people into different categories. Abortion is a sin like any other. We are all sinners. And like all sins, abortion is forgivable. God can heal you of it. He can restore you from that. And we want to help. 
We love you and we want to be part of the healing process. Just come talk to us. We will not judge you. We will not look down upon you. We will say, I am a sinner just like you. Let me show you the healing and restoration that God has for you in his word through his spirit. So if you've ever had an abortion, please come talk to me or one of the other pastors here at Grace Bible Church. We can help you find that healing. And if you're ever at a point in your life where you are considering abortion, let me encourage you, please come talk to one of us first. We would love to introduce you to some of the incredible community groups, community organizations that we have here in Bryan College Station that can help you find a better way forward. Aguiland Pregnancy Outreach, Hope Pregnancy Center, dedicating to helping women find a better option than abortion. So please come talk to one of us. We can put you in touch with those organizations. Psalm 139 is absolutely clear. You were a a living human being when you were just an embryo in your mother's womb. And at that early stage, God knew you. He knew every day of your coming life. He loved you and he was already at work forming you and making you. Notice the words there. You were skillfully wrought by God. He was designing you. I think it's fascinating. When you, when you look at genetics, you, you're told in your books, it's true that, that the genetics, the DNA of your parents could have been combined together in, in a nearly infinite number of ways. And yet God in his sovereignty chose exactly the genetic combination that you have. You are not in any way a product of chance or random luck. You are exactly what God intended. He was sovereign over the combination of your parents' DNA, bringing it together, developing you in the womb into the person that you are. Even at that early stage in his sovereignty, he was building talent within you. That's really where your talents began. In the womb as an embryo, God was already forming talent in you. That's the first source of your talent, your natural God-given abilities. Those abilities God was, was building in you in the womb. And you know you have them. We see them in, in children all the time. Some children are able to do this better than other children or that better than other children. We all have natural abilities that we're born with. There's actually a lot of biblical examples of that as well. You, you meet this guy named Apollos in Acts 18 and you're told he was an eloquent man. He was really gifted at speaking. That was because he was born that way. He was born by God with an incredibly gifted ability to speak. You look at Paul, man, a guy endowed from the womb with incredible intellect. Paul was a really smart guy. God built that intelligence within Paul in the womb. Whether you're talking about uh, David's musical ability, Peter's strength, Esther's beauty, God has endowed all people with natural abilities, natural talent. So God begins to endow you with talent in the womb before you are born. And then God adds to that talent. He grows that talent, the second source of talent. You add to it learned skills and knowledge. God watches over your development in life as you grow up, as you go to school, as you practice sports and and music and other things. God is at work developing your skills and abilities, building that talent within you. I actually see a lot of examples of this in scripture. God at work growing people, developing their knowledge and skill. I love this passage in Exodus. God is giving instructions for how his house, his tabernacle is to be built. And he's got one guy in particular that he really wants to be on the building team. See, I have called by name Bezalel. I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship. To make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and in bronze. God called this man and gifted him and and trained him and used him throughout his life to be able to build this beautiful furniture that, that pointed people to the glory of God. 
Didn't just do that for men, he did it for women as well. Exodus 35, all the skilled women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet material and in fine linen. All the women whose heart stirred with a skill spun the goat's hair. God empowered these women and taught these women through their lives how to spin delicately with goat's hair to make beautiful fabric that they used to decorate the, the temple and to clothe the priests so that they could glorify God. Another example in the book of Daniel, it says of Daniel and his friends, these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom of the Chaldeans. God was at work in their education so that they would be able to fulfill the the job that God had called them to. Now, students, this one is particularly applicable to you. I don't know if you think of your education at A&M or Blinn as a gift from God. It is. It's not just for your parents. It's not just so you have a career one day. It's actually God at work in you while you're at A&M or Blinn training you, adding to you skill and knowledge so that you will be talented so that you can serve him in the future. Your education is a stewardship and one day you'll be held accountable for it because it's a gift from God. So, So take your studies seriously. They're serious stuff. Okay, so our talent comes from our natural abilities that God endows us with in the womb. Second, they come from the skill and knowledge that we learn as God grows us through life. And third, the most important source of our talent is our spiritual gifts. When we believe the gospel, we are endowed with spiritual gifts. And turn to 1 Corinthians 12. This one is is a big one. We need to look at this in a little more detail. Spiritual gifts is significant in Scripture as this final source of gifting, the most significant source of God giving you talent and ability. So look at 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start in verse 4. A number of other passages, if you want to study spiritual gifts in more detail, you can look at Romans 12, you can look at 1 Peter 4, uh, Ephesians 4, a bunch of places that the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. Look with me starting chapter 12, verse 4. Paul says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another faith by the same spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one spirit. And to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. A couple really significant uh, truths about spiritual gifts that you get from this passage. The first, Paul's teaching us that spiritual gifts are only available to believers. He gives us actually a definition of spiritual gifts right there in verse seven, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit. That's what the spiritual gifts are. They are manifestations of the Spirit, a revelation of the Spirit of God in your life. Spiritual gift is just the Holy Spirit poking his head out, showing the world what he can do through you. Well, when did the Holy Spirit come to live inside of you? Little Bible trivia quiz. When did he come to live inside of you? The moment you accepted the gospel. You're not born with the Holy Spirit. No person is. The Spirit comes to reside in you the moment that you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died for your sins, rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life. 
The moment you believe the gospel, God regenerates you and fills you with his spirit. His spirit comes to live inside of you, to to dwell in you. And as soon as the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, he begins to remodel you. That's what the Christian life is. The Spirit remodeling you from the inside out so that you look like Jesus. And the great thing about the Spirit is when he comes to live inside of you, he brings his own housewarming present. He brings it for you. It's your spiritual gifts. He brings it with him to endow you with talent from God. And that leads us to the second truth that 1 Corinthians 12 teaches. Spiritual gifts are for all believers. For every individual believer, the Spirit endows with one or more, probably multiple spiritual gifts. All believers have them, these talents from God through his Spirit. Now, whenever I teach on the spiritual gifts, there are invariably a number of questions that will come up afterwards, so I figure let's just answer them to begin with. Let's just head these off. Three questions in particular that I'm always asked when I teach on spiritual gifts. Um, The first, what are they? What's the list of gifts? What options are there for me? Well, any book you you read on the spiritual gifts, you'll see a different list. It's really hard to pin down because there's no definitive list in scripture of what all the spiritual gifts are. If you study all of the passages that reference spiritual gifts and you just collect all of the words that they use, here's the list. It's, It's pretty big. Apostleship, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing miracles, evangelism, teaching, exhortation, administration, leadership, pastoring, discernment, wisdom, knowledge, faith, giving, service, helps, and mercy. Big list. Now, probably some of those are synonyms for one another. Probably some of those overlap. We're we're not positive exactly what the list is. Now, what we do know is that one of those for sure is not available today. Of that whole list, there's one that does not apply to any of us, and that's the first one. First one came to to an end in the first century, the gift of apostleship. The apostles were men chosen by God to see Jesus face to face. They had to see him face to face, called by Jesus to lay the foundation of his church. They set the doctrine for the church, and they wrote the scriptures for the church. They wrote the New Testament or dictated it as others wrote it. So these men laid the foundation for the church, and then when that was done, that gift was over. That gift ended on the earth around 80, 90, when the apostle John died. That was the end of apostleship. So this is the list minus apostleship for today. Now, the second question that people will have is, what about those few gifts right after apostleship? Are they around today? What people often call the sign gifts or the miraculous gifts, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing and miracles. Are those going on today? Should we expect to see them right here, Grace Bible Church, this morning? Now let's, let's define those real quick so we know what they mean. Prophecy, not just, not just about writing scripture. Prophecy just means that you know something that you could not know from your human faculties or from the word of God. Some supernatural way you know something. That's prophecy. Tongues, um, if, if in case you didn't know, tongues is being able to speak a human language you don't know. Not some kind of gibberish, but an actual language of the world that you have never learned. Interpretation of tongues just means you can understand what that person is saying even though you also don't know the language. Healing, this one's important to clarify. God is always healing people. He's always been doing that. God reserves the right to do miraculous healings at any time, wherever he pleases. The gift of healing is not that. The gift of healing is when God chooses a particular person, lays his hand on that person, and now that person is a healer. Everyone he touches gets better. That's the gift of healing. Similarly, the gift of miracles, not just a miracle happening, but somebody who who goes around and consistently works miracles. 
are those gifts active in the church today? Well, um, there is actually no definitive scriptural proof one way or the other. No passage you can go to to say that they are or say that they're not. So what you have to do is you have to look at the Bible from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, and ask yourself, what do I see of these sign gifts in the story of the Bible? And, and what you will notice is they're not evenly distributed throughout Scripture. These things are not always going on throughout the story of the Bible. There's actually really three primary times in biblical history when these sign gifts occurred, when there was an outbreak of these miraculous gifts. The first was with a guy named Moses. For Moses, not a lot, occasional miracle. Moses shows up, crazy stuff. That dude did awesome stuff. Um, But then after Moses, even with Joshua, man, the sign gifts really decrease. Miracles here and there, but no sign gifts. Until two guys show up, Elijah and Elisha. And man, they did amazing stuff, incredible stuff. The prophets after them, not so much. Sign gifts pretty much die out until another guy shows up, Jesus. And he's, he, he does the most awesome stuff. The apostles after him early in their ministry, they do crazy stuff. Later in their ministry, they actually weren't doing so much crazy stuff. Towards the end of Paul's ministry, he couldn't even heal this guy named Trophimus. He, he didn't have that gift anymore. Okay, so you look at that and, and what you notice are these periods where there's this outbreak of sign gifts upon the earth. And so you ask, what was going on in those three times that unites them together? In every case, that was a moment where God was revealing a new message. Moses, what was the new message? The law. Genesis through Deuteronomy, the Mosaic Covenant. Moses was the revealer of the law to Israel. Totally new message. Elijah and Elisha, what was their new message? Well, they were the first of what we would call the leading prophets. Before them, God spoke and and led the nation of Israel through the kings and the priests. But by Elijah's day, the kings and the priests were incredibly corrupt. And so God moved on from them and he raised up prophets to be his mouthpiece and his leadership to the nation. And the first leading prophets were Elijah and Elisha. So they got lots of sign gifts. Uh, Then Jesus, what's his new message? Well, I'm God and here's the gospel. Big new message, so he does crazy miracles. In each case, what you see is that the sign gifts are meant to authenticate a new message and a new messenger. They're authenticating gifts. And so let's come back to today. Should we expect to see the miraculous gifts in the world today? Yes, absolutely we should, where the gospel is going to a new audience. Where the gospel's going into virgin territory, a new tribe, a new people group, a new other religion. We should expect to see this kind of crazy stuff going on. That's why I'm not surprised when missionaries come back and tell about sign gifts, especially in Hindu context and Muslim context. Yeah, because those people are hearing the gospel for the first time, and so God puts his stamp of authority on it. But what about here? Here in Bryan College Station in the 21st century, should we expect to see those gifts? Well, maybe but that would not fit the biblical paradigm. That wouldn't fit what God typically does because the gospel's pretty established here. Even people in this town who don't believe the gospel still know about the Bible. They still know the basics about Jesus. It's not new to them. So we're not saying that these miraculous gifts don't happen here at Grace Bible Church. They may. It would just kind of surprise us. That's as much as we can say because the Bible doesn't say one way or another for sure. That's the second question I'll often get. What about the miraculous gifts? Third question I'll often get is what is the relationship between my, my spiritual gifts and just my natural talents and learned skills? How do these three relate to one another? And uh, let me frame this question for you this way. I'm assuming that many of you, if not almost all of you, have attended Breakaway at some point in your lives. You've gone to Breakaway and you have heard Ben Stewart speak. 
Ben is a friend of mine, and, and so um, I'm going to tell you, if you haven't figured this out, um, this is coming from a guy who, who speaks for a living. Um, ben is crazy talented, crazy talented as a speaker, as a teacher of the word. Incredible ability that Ben has. So is Ben Stewart amazing ability to teach? Is it his natural talent? Is it a learned skill? Or is it a spiritual gift? Well, biblical answer is yes, to all of the above. It's all three. Because the Bible doesn't delineate between those three sources. Your spiritual gifts, God has actually been building in you since before you were born. God has been uniting your natural abilities, your learned skills, and now capping it off with the power of the Holy Spirit who makes it useful to God, who makes it glorifying to God. All three sources feed into our talent. Ben is a great speaker because he was born that way, because he's refined it through practice, and because the Spirit fills him and supernaturally empowers him for the ministry God's called him to. So all three sources of, of your talent are at play, shaping you and making you into a talented person. You are talented. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you realize it or not, you are extraordinarily talented because God made you that way. That's the first foundational biblical truth. God wants you to know that because he wants you to have confidence. God doesn't want you to look down on yourself and feel small and feel insignificant. No, you are significant. You are special. You are extraordinary. God wants you to have confidence. That's what the first biblical truth teaches you is confidence. But we need a second biblical truth to balance it. God doesn't just want you to be confident. He also wants you to be humble. And humility is what the second biblical truth provides. You have talent, but God wants you to understand your talent isn't yours. Your skill, your ability, your intellect, all the amazing things you can do, none of it is yours. Remember what we studied last week, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Everything about you, your body, your mind, your emotions, your skill, your intellect, your abilities, all of it belongs to God. None of it is yours. None of it belongs to you. It all belongs to God. We studied last week, you are not an owner of these things in your life. You are a steward. A steward manages something on behalf of the owner. You are managing your talents and skills on behalf of God. They are just loaned to you for a very short amount of time while you are on this planet. You're a steward, not an owner. All your gifts belong to God. All your talents belong to him. And that has a couple very significant implications as we think about this subject of talent. The first implication is that God should get all the credit. Maybe you're a very smart person here did very well on tests, did very well in school, or you are doing very well in school right now, you need to recognize this this incredible intellect that you have, how smart you are. It's not because of you. You didn't make yourself that way. Yeah, you studied a lot. Okay, but who is it that made studying effective for you? God did. God's the one who gave you a mind that can memorize, a mind that can think, that can reason things out. God gets all the credit for our talents. Now, that runs completely contrary to what our society teaches. It's interesting, um, I'm sure you have noticed, there's a proliferation of talent shows on TV. Almost every night of the week, you turn on TV and there's a talent show. Why is there a talent show? Because the human race loves to identify and worship talent. We love to raise up talented musicians or, or artists or athletes and give them accolades and fame. It's really ironic to me, what is the name of the most famous of the talent shows? American Idol. We're admitting our guilt right there in the name of the show. We're raising these people up to be idols so we can idolize them. 
Now, if you watch American Idol, it's okay. I'm fine with you watching American Idol. So long as you recognize that what it is revealing about talent is not biblical. Those people should not be worshiped for their talent. They have nothing to do with their talent. It's God who gave it to them. It should be God who is on the throne, not them. God is responsible for all of our abilities, for all of our talents. He's certainly the one who gave you your natural ability that you have genetically. Man, you weren't even there to to pull that together. Um, He's also the one that gave you knowledge and skills. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Maybe you go practice something. Maybe you learn something. It's God who gave you muscles that can grow. It's God who gave you neurons that can learn patterns. It's God who makes your practice and study effective for giving you knowledge and skills. And your spiritual gifts, certainly God gets all the credit for that. That's his Holy Spirit in you giving you those. God doesn't get some of the credit for our talents. He gets it all. He doesn't just get a a passing mention at an award show. All the glory and fame should go to him. If you were to talk to Ben Stewart, he would be the first to tell you his incredible ability as a speaker says much about God and little about him. Ben didn't make that talent. Ben didn't develop that talent. Ben doesn't empower himself. It's God who does it. Our talents belong to God and all the credit for our abilities, talents, skills, and intellect go to God. That's the first implication. Second implication of this reality that our talents are not ours is that our talents are meant for him, not for us. Our talents are given to us to benefit God, not to benefit us. If I see myself as the owner of my talents, of my skills, of my intellect, of my degree, well, then I'm going to tend to use those things to serve myself, to enrich my life, to amass fame and comfort and success for me. If I instead see myself accurately, biblically, as just a steward of my talents, on loan to me from God, then I tend to use my talents to serve him, for his benefit, for his glory, to build his kingdom and his church. That's what God has called us to do, to steward our talents, intellect, skills, and abilities for his glory. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all of it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, not just at church, not just in ministry, but everything you do or say should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, or, or other words, in submission to Jesus as Lord for his benefit, for his glory and fame. Now, that one's really easy to say, that that we should use our talents for God. They're not ours, they're his. He should be glorified through them. But how do you actually glorify God with your talents? That's what I want to talk about next this morning. How do we glorify God with our talents? I want to get really practical. What exactly does it mean to be a good steward of my skills, of my abilities, of my intellect? How do I use them to build God's kingdom and glorify his name? I'm going to lay out three things the Bible teaches us, three uses that God wants for your talents. He's given you your talents to do three things. Here they are. Biblically speaking, first reason God gave you talent, skill, intellect, and ability is so that you could provide for your family. That's very significant. God wants you to provide in some form or fashion for your family. Uh, He puts it this way, 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Really strong words there. God takes it seriously that we provide for our families, whether that's financial provision or providing food or comfort, safety, security, instruction, clothing, whatever it might be, we're to provide for our families. 
And to enable us to provide for our families, God has endowed us with talent. That talent is meant to help us provide. It's interesting, if you look at Genesis, you'll meet twin brothers, Esau and Jacob. God endowed each of them with talent to provide for their families. Esau was given talent as a hunter. He was a skilled hunter to provide food and game for his family. Jacob was a talented uh, carer of livestock, a rancher. God gave him that talent so he could provide for his family. God doesn't just give that talent to men. He also endows women with talents to provide for their families. And Proverbs 31, the proverb of the, the godly wife, says this, an excellent wife who can find. For her worth is far above jewels. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now, ladies, some of you have read Proverbs 31 and you have uh, felt very guilty. Because you look at all the list of things that this crazy superwoman does and you think my goodness I, I don't even come close to doing all these things let me dispel your anxiety there is no woman on the planet who has ever been that woman that's that's not a description of an actual woman that's not what the chapter is meant to do what it is is a list of the things that we men should be looking for in the women we date and marry these types of things don't look for beauty don't look for charm look for a woman who can provide look for a woman who is godly who is diligent, who is skilled. And notice, you look at the skills she has, all of them are designed to provide for her family. She can clothe them, or she can cook for them, or she has business acumen. She can go make profit for them. That's what God values. That's why he has given us talents and abilities so that we can provide for our family. So you honor God, you glorify him and build his kingdom by using your talents, skills, your education, your intellect to provide for your family. Second reason he has given you talent is so that you can serve the church. God endowed you with talent so that you can serve the body of Christ. Ephesians puts it this way. Ephesians 4, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. What Paul wants us to understand, church is not a club. This is not an organization, certainly not a business. This is not an affiliation of people. This is a body, the body of Jesus Christ on earth. That's what the church is. And just like a human body, the body is only healthy if every member is healthy, if every member is doing its part. Paul's point is that you are needed here. We need you to be healthy. Grace Bible Church cannot be healthy unless you are contributing that's what Paul says here. To grow, we need the proper working of each individual part. Every believer using their talent, their skills, their spiritual gifts, their intellect to serve the body. That's the only way we can grow. Every person here is indispensable to the growth of the church. Now that's really significant for us to just reflect on for a moment because unfortunately, I feel like especially in the last few years, the culture of celebrity has invaded the church. And now we raise up and put on a pedestal people who can speak well or preach well or do music well. What God wants us to understand, there is no place for that in the church. Ben Stewart would be the first to tell you he is no more important for the health of the body of Christ than any of you are. 
nor am I, nor is Colin, nor is anyone else. We are all absolutely indispensable. The body of Christ can only grow and develop as all of us play our part, as all of us use our gifts to serve the body. Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let me give you some examples. Some people who you don't see up here on a Sunday morning who are essential to the health and functioning of Grace Bible Church. Right there back of the room, the AV booth. Um, led our AV team led by Ethan Stanfield brings great skill and experience and knowledge without him um, we wouldn't be here lights wouldn't be on there'd be no AV I would be coughing because I cannot uh, talk loud enough for you to hear it he's essential to us another example Wayne Borges one of our deacons he's been here since we launched Southwood he is gifted by God uniquely with an incredible administrative ability he used it at IBM for years and he retired and he thought you know I've retired from my job but I've not retired from the kingdom of God so how can you use me we use him every Sunday he is more essential to Grace Bible Church opening its doors on Sunday morning than I am He takes care of all the little details here at Southwood on Sunday morning as he serves us with his administrative gifts. Uh, Other examples, Ryan McClahan knows how to play guitar and he has young kids. So we thought, how can I combine that together? He's our music man in the nursery ministry. Takes his guitar, goes in there, plays music for our kids. Mine included. Luke and Gracie love him. He is their music man. They look forward to seeing him. He's using his talent to serve the body of Christ. Jane Battle, been teaching kids for years. She continues to teach our second graders. She is using her gifts to serve us. So many examples of people using their God-given talent, skills, knowledge, and intellect to serve the body of Christ. God wants the same from you. He wants you to serve the body, whether that's Grace Bible Church or one of our campus partners or ministry partners or community organizations. You should be using your talent, skills, and abilities, students and adults alike, to serve the body of Jesus Christ. That's why you're here to contribute to the health of the body of Jesus Christ. Okay, so God has given us these talents so that we can serve the church, so that we can provide for our family. Third, final reason he's given us these talents is to reach the lost. To reach the lost, you have a a number of biblical examples of people who are talented so that they can reach people who don't know God. Solomon, given incredible wisdom, he ends up being this draw, this magnet who brings leaders from out the whole world to Jerusalem to hear about the one true God. David with his musical ability, still tons of unbelievers being introduced to God through David's Psalms, written like 3,000 years ago. Amazing what God has done. Paul, given incredible intellect, he gets up in Acts 17 and God positions him to speak to the philosophers of Athens. God gave Paul incredible intellect so he could introduce the smartest men of the world to the gospel, and many of them believed. Let's fast forward to our own day and age. I think of guys like C.S. Lewis, incredibly gifted writer. His book, Mere Christianity, has introduced so many people to the gospel. I think of musicians like Jimmy Needham or Lecrae who are using their gift, their talent to draw people to Jesus Christ. It was awesome to open iTunes like a few weeks or a month ago and see Lecrae right there on iTunes. The whole world is seeing that. Guys introducing people to the gospel. And right here at Grace Bible Church, lots of people that God has talented so that they can reach the world for Jesus Christ. I think of Mike Schaub, a professor with May's Business School. Some of you have his classes. If you don't, you should. He's awesome, incredible professor, great writer, and really cares about his students. There's tons of students who who see what Jesus looks like through Mike. I think of uh, the folks who work at Aggieland Pregnancy Outreach I mentioned earlier. I think of Kim Shams, Victoria Buckwalter, and Don Campbell. 
who use their, their love for children, their love for mothers, who use all of this knowledge and experience about child rearing, and they give it to the community. They introduce these young men and women who are in crisis to the gospel. They've drawn many to Jesus Christ. There are so many opportunities that you have right here, right now, to use your talents and skills to introduce people to the gospel. Students A&M is a great place to do just this. There are so many student organizations. There are so many community service projects that you can be involved in. You can sacrificially use your skill, your ability, your body to serve. And when people see you serving, when people see you sacrificing your video game time or party time to give, they will ask why, and you can say, for Jesus. You can point them to the gospel through your service. Okay, that students, let me flip to the other end. You who are uh, retirees or empty nesters, you have a ton of skill, a ton of knowledge that God can use to reach people for Jesus Christ. You can volunteer in the community, in the school district, in the hospital, in nursing homes, in any number of places you can volunteer. And when people ask, why are you volunteering your time here at the school instead of spending it all on the golf course? You can say, because of Jesus, because I love him. And all of a sudden you get to introduce people to the gospel through your skills, through your talents, through your abilities. That's what God wants for us, to use the talents he's given us to provide for our families, to serve the church, and to reach the lost. Now, if you're here this morning, um, let me just end really practical. If you're here this morning and you know your skills, you know your talents, you know your spiritual gifts, but you wonder, how can I use them? Where is the place for me? I want to invite you to come talk to me or someone else on staff. We would love to help you plug in and use your talents and abilities to serve the church and reach the lost. Really, don't think that I'm too busy. Don't think that Colin is too busy. That's like the best lunch. When you want to sit down and tell us that you are gifted and want to serve, that's awesome. We would love to meet with you and help get you plugged in to serve the body of Christ and reach the lost. That's if you know your gifting. If you don't know your gifting and you think, man, I don't even know what my talents are, I want to invite you. This uh, Towards the end of this semester, we're going to have a seminar called Discover Your Ministry. It's going to meet three times on Wednesday evenings at the end of the semester over at the Anderson campus. Um, We'd love to have you out for that. You're going to identify your spiritual gifts. You're going to look at your experiences, your passion, how God has wired you so that you know what God has equipped you uniquely to do. So we'd love to have you participate and discover your ministry. Even though it's towards the end of the semester, you can go on our website and sign up today. Discover your ministry. We'd love to have you do that. If you have any questions about any of this, if you just don't know what the next step is for you in using your talents and abilities, please, again, come talk to me, Colin, someone else here on staff. We would love to help you to use the talents God has given you. You are wonderfully made. You are extraordinary. You are unique. You are necessary to the health of the body of Jesus Christ. We want you to use the talents that God has given you to plug in here or in this community because God wants to do great things through you to serve his church and to reach the lost. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that you created each and every one of us. We thank you that you knew us even before we were born, that you knew all the days of our lives, that you worked in us and designed us and created us and formed us exactly as you intended. Chance and random luck had nothing to do with who we are. 
You and your sovereignty shaped us. We, we know that, we believe that, Lord. I pray for any person here, Lord, who struggles with that truth, who feels that they are not special, who feels that they are not worthy, who feels that they are not talented. I pray, Father, that you would break through that lie and that you would open their eyes to see that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they are special and endowed with talent. I pray, Father, that for every one of us, you would show us what you have us for, what you would have us do. We pray that you would um, help us to see the opportunities that you have put in front of us to use our talents and our gifts and our skills to serve the church, to, to glorify you and reach the lost. Please, Lord, I pray for every one of us that you would empower us and guide us so that we would be good stewards of the talents you've given us. Lord, we acknowledge that everything good in our lives is a gift from you. We can take no credit for any of it. All of it is from you. All of it is for your glory and for the advance of your kingdom. We pray that our lives in every way would glorify your awesome son who loved us and died for us. In his name we pray, amen.